0: Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. I'm a certified microdosing practitioner, menstrual cycle coach, and feminine embodiment mentor. And I'm on a mission to break taboos around women's bodies, periods, and psychedelics. On this show, we're exploring all things spirituality, sexuality, mysticism, and empowerment. Come along as I interview other coaches, teachers, healers, and Thought leaders about all the ways we can feel more tuned in, turned on, and lit up AF. If you're on a journey towards self discovery, you've come to the right place. This is The Light Within. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. Oof, today's episode is a juicy one. We are talking about something we have actually never talked about on this show. And it is about opening up your relationship, non-monogamy. But before you turn away, if that's not for you, we're also talking about decoding jealousy and how we can enhance intimacy no matter what our relationship status looks like. Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the relationship coach for couples who color outside the lines. I freaking love that byline of hers. She's a research psychologist, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and ASIC certified sex educator. She spent the past two decades studying and reimagining what love can be if we open up our imaginations to possibility. She helps people create non-monogamous partnerships that are custom-built for their authentic selves. And also, she helps you, no matter if you want to be monogamous or non-monogamous, understand how to have the spiciest love life and sex life you could ever imagine. There is so much goodness in this conversation from checking in with your partner from the number one question you want to ask if you want to boost your sex life. So I know you're going to get so much out of this convo and I am so excited to have Jolie here with us today. Before we dive in, I want to announce something I'm so freaking excited about. The next round of my group program Mushroom Alchemy is launching in September. This is the cyclical microdosing protocol new and improved. It is eight weeks long and it is for anyone who wants to transform their life through pleasure, through healing their womb, connecting with their divine feminine, and communing with psychedelic mushrooms. I am so proud of this program and I am so honored to have been in communion with some beautiful souls this summer who just completely transformed the way they looked at the divine feminine, the way they looked at their life, sex. And so this is something I'm so passionate about, and I know it is going to be beautiful medicine for those who are interested in those who feel called. You can find out more details at my Instagram, at Leslie Draffen. Or by sending me an email, hello at lesleydraffin.com. If you have been feeling called to this, reach out. Let's set up a free one-on-one chat because I know this is for you. So now let's talk with Dr. Jolie Hamilton all about how we are decoding jealousy and enhancing intimacy. Jolie, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Leslie. I really, really appreciate conversations like this. Yeah, I am excited because we have not
0: had a conversation quite like this on the show. Um, So... Let's just rip the band-aid off. First things first, the question I always ask everybody to start is, what ignites your light within?
1: Well, the thing that ignites my light is certainly has to do with relationships. I care deeply about relationships, but I think that's a bit of a vague answer. so I'll take it a, a level deeper. I, absolutely light up when I help people or I am in any way connected with people who are shifting from having default status relationships into creatively co-creating, really consciously negotiated, creative, relating structures. Makes me all juiced up. Mm,
0: all right. Well, then that leads perfectly into what it is that you do. So go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a bit about the work that you have birthed into the world.
1: Yeah, so my name is Dr. Julie Hamilton, and I am a PhD-level Jungian and Archetypal Psychologist, which means that I studied the kind of psychology that has been around since way before behaviorism. And it also means that I take the unconscious really seriously. So I say that because a lot of times people imagine that um, all of psychology is just about behavior change and the stuff I study is a little little juicier, a little more fun for me than that. Um, I'm also an asex certified sexuality educator. And then maybe the most important thing, I'm somebody who really deeply, passionately cares about um, the, the way that we create relationships being of service to our individuation journey. So mm-hmm. I have spent the last 15 years rebuilding my career so that I would be able to do that every single day. And that's what I do. I help people create relationships that serve their, their goal of being the most them version of them possible while also being ethical and conscious and delightful humans as well.
0: Mm, I love that. So, how did you get on this path? Like, how did you decide this was what you were gonna do with your life?
1: Yeah, I screwed everything up, like <laughs> real bad, like re- like really, really, really bad. <laughs> um, I think a lot of us, you know, we we do we make um, we make lemonade out of lemons. But in this case, you know, I thought of myself as a person who deeply loved, but I did not think of myself as a person who was competent at relationships. I grew up in a really troubled household. You know, my parents meant well, but like lots and lots of troubles and problems and grew up and then married somebody who I wasn't well suited for and immediately had four children with him and like just did all the things to create a life for myself where I was pretty romantically and sexually miserable. Mm. And And then one day, I mean, through, oh God, I had done so many things. I had had many, many careers and I was raising those children. I was homeschooling them and all the things. And then one day I had what I call a numinous experience. Mm. It was transcendent. It was that, like, that experience the sacred just in your life. Except I happen to be in like a sticky bar at night and I do not spend time in bars. Like that's not my thing. I think it was my second time ever having been in a bar. I was 33 <laughs> years old. Um, but I saw something I couldn't unsee. I saw a version of love and and passion that I had no idea existed. And from there, I managed to really have to reinvent my whole life because I couldn't unsee this and I couldn't unsee how miserable I had been in my complacency and how I had actually made my husband miserable as well by, by encouraging complacency. Even though I said I was the one showing up to the relationship and always trying to do the work and make it better. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's easier. It was always easier to point fingers at each other or to say what we couldn't change or to, just not imagine big enough. And that's what I help people do most of the time now. Imagine so much bigger and be brave enough to take the steps to say, hey, you know what? The mainstream doesn't always work for me, so I'm going to have to really go it on my own. It's scary. It's, it's scary to reinvent your life that way, but that's exactly how I wound up here doing what I do.
0: And so I know that your tagline is, Oh, what was it it was so cute. It was um the coach, coach for couples for, to color for outside color. the lines. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. And so, let's talk a little bit about coloring outside the lines in relationship, right? Um yeah. you have this term creative monogamy. I had not heard it before. I've certainly heard um consensual non-monogamy and things yeah. like that. Um but what is creative non-monogamy.
1: So I, so I use the term creative monogamy actually specifically. Yes. And the reason I do is because I I think it's a, a misunderstanding that, that there are two boxes. There's monogamy and non-monogamy and you have to choose one or the other. And then like you, you have to get in and then just follow somebody else's laundry list of what those scripts are like, okay, now do all the things. When in fact, if we are in consensual relationships, of any type, which should be all of our relationships, right? Um, If we're in a consensual relationship, then my whole world is based on the idea that I get to make that relationship what I want it to be. And so do my partners, right? My friendship partners, my romantic partners, my collegial partners, we get to make our relationship what we want. But most of us go to the default. So when we think about Consensual non monogamy, we get into a particular default. When we think about monogamy, oh my gosh, we barely even think, right? It just is the water we swim in. So, the default of our societal norm is monogamy. And I don't actually want to throw that away. If monogamy works for you, or parts of monogamy work for you, or you want to be monogamous, and you also know that there's something that's not quite fitting right, Creative monogamy is another way to think about how you actually create your relationship container so that you're not just following the default, but you're getting really specific about where you are being exclusive, right? The the word we use to most commonly describe monogamous. Where am I being exclusive? What domains of my life am I being exclusive in? And who am I being exclusive to? And how does that exclusivity look in action? And where am i going to be expansive where am i going to be outside of the expectations that my parents might have had or my my church family has or even my best friend who thinks that she's super kooky but i'm way outside the box from her too wherever you want to be expansive you can and the key here is if you also want to keep some areas exclusive, then get clear about that because where I see people get hurt is that they think that they, they if they just pick up a label, mm-hmm. that that's going to define and describe well enough for them to be safe everywhere when usually what we need is to get super clear about where we're exclusive and where we're expansive and then what that looks like.
0: So creative monogamy is just doing things differently than what the norm says.
1: Right. It's about creating space for yourself to really reflect on. Well, for instance, do I want to be um, sexually exclusive with one partner? That's usually the one people like go right to, right? It must be about the sex. Okay. For a second, let's just pause it. It's about the sex. Okay. Let's talk about what is sexual exclusivity? What is sex? What are the acts of sex? How do I know when I'm having it and when I'm not? And start breaking down into like, okay, do I actually want to be expansive in sex? Okay. If I do, how? Like in what way? Because there are so many different ways that we can be expansive, including things like going to a strip club with a partner. And that could feel really expansive for me. Um, for some people watching porn together, it feels really, really expansive for other people. Um, it's going to be out there. It's going to be into the, like, I personally am polyamorous. It's going to be about having multiple partners. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, this gets really interesting though when we take it away from the sexual area because most of the time we go to that sex idea and we're like that. It's all about the sex. Mm -hmm. But what about our emotionality? You know, what about creating deep emotional connections with others? You know, most women I know have at least one or more close emotional connection with another woman. That's considered very normal. Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone even in the strictest of the monogamous containers who says, no, you can't have any other friends. Right. However, what if that friend happens to be of a gender I'm attracted to? Mm -hmm. Like what do we really mean here? And this is where it gets really interesting to start to think about what do I want out of my exclusivity? What am I actually trying to get? What's the need I'm trying to get met through exclusivity? Because for me, I so I'm a bisexual woman, therefore, um, limiting my friendships to women is not going to help my partner feel any less threatened, right? So it's really easy for us to have these conversations about emotional intimacy being a norm. But for a lot of people, emotional intimacy is terrifying in a monogamous container. So this can be a really juicy conversation. It can also be a little scary for people to think about what if we really do allow each other to be fully actualized as autonomous individuals in our friendships and our emotional relationships. It's, it's exciting. And when people get scared about it, usually they default into that setting of like, nope, that's an emotional affair. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what is the difference between an emotional affair and a friendship? And I hear a lot of times I'll hear people talk about, well, anything that you would keep a secret from your partner. I'm like, yeah, I think that, you know, fair, fair, but that would be because you're also creating another layer of exclusivity, right? Like you're creating a a sort of another bubble inside an affair partner's life where you're also sort of operating on the premise of monogamy and exclusivity, even though you're violating the premise of monogamy and exclusivity. So it's when we break that notion and we start talking about how can I be in integrity with my relationship agreements? How can I make sure that my partner's needs are feeling met and and fulfilled while also be honoring my own needs? Mm-hmm. That's where the really yummy conversations happen. But we have to break away from the default to have them.
0: Yeah. And so what have you found is either the benefit, or I don't even know if benefit's the right word. You know, why do we, um, some of us like really gravitate toward exclusivity, especially in certain partnerships? Like what is it about exclusivity that makes us feel
1: safe? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for, from, for the one thing here we are in, in 2023 in, um, you know, modern Westernized social setting, for one thing, we've been told nothing else. We have been presented no other model. So why would we think something is safe when everywhere we look, every song we sing, like every pop song you hear on the radio, every rom-com go all the way back into our great literature, like monogamy is the presentation. So there's that. And then also, you know, it's scary to be in a whole big world with options, right? And so just limiting options is one way that a lot of us seek safety, right? I seek safety by saying, this world is overwhelming. Let me just simplify it a little bit. And then of course we have, um, and there's plenty of research out there on this, the whole notion of a couple bubble, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find one person I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to couple up with them. I'm going to create a bubble around us and be inside that and I don't have to worry about the rest of the world. And if that works for you, awesome. The trouble often comes in when it stops working because mm-hmm. it might be working for a long time and then all of a sudden it doesn't work for one of you. And my point isn't that you can't have a couple bubble or you can't do monogamy. It's that what are you going to do if and when that no longer feels like a right fit anymore. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when it doesn't, we wind up in a huge amount of shame and stigma and terror even. And that just, it does not help anything (laughs) to be in that space of shame and terror when really what we need is to start figuring out, okay, well, what would it look like if I didn't use this? What would, what other frameworks would I use for relationships? Um, Because a lot of times I think people gravitate toward monogamy and exclusivity because they have no other ideas and they don't have really solid relationship skills to begin with. Like the number of monogamous people I've interviewed for my, my jealousy research who have no actual relationship agreement spoken or written down, they just quote unquote, know the rules. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. When did you talk about them? I, they're just the rules. And so this is where I think maybe it feels safe, but is it safe? Hmm. So if you want to do monogamy, one of the things you can think about is, okay, maybe I could do monogamy and also incorporate the these amazing relationship skills and tools that are necessary for people who are working outside, coloring outside the lines.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that, you know, after my divorce in my late twenties, I had a year where I just tried a lot of different things (laughs) and got very into the BDSM world where suddenly like these conversations had to be, um, taking place before things happened. And I realized at that point, holy shit, like I've never had these conversations with anyone that I've been with before. And it forced the people that I was with and I to have chats about things that, yeah, like you're saying, like you wouldn't, before. And, but I haven't really thought about that now this many years later in my committed marriage where we are definitely in a couple bubble um, with, you know, have we even talked about some of these things? Right. We certainly did in the beginning, but I'm also guaranteeing that you'll say that these things have to change right. as you
1: change. Yeah, of course. So like if, if we think about the, uh, the setup of an exclusive relationship, a lot of the standards start being set by the, by the second date. Mm -hmm. already we are setting up the standards. I mean, and I do it myself. So I date and I start setting up like my standard expectation for communication. I start setting that up from the very first contact we have. We start laying the groundwork for what will be expected and what is the norm. And then we don't have these conscious conversations because, well, we just have a norm. So we don't need to, or because it feels awkward or I might seem weird or I might seem needy. I might, if I had to have a conversation about how to just be in a relationship, I might seem needy or it might be too much work. The number mm-hmm. of people who tell me like, well, it sounds like a lot of work to have a relationship like that. Like, mm. I mean, it is a fair amount of effort to healthily relate to each other, mm-hmm. no matter how you're doing that or what container you're in. Um, but yeah, if you've been in the BDSM world for any amount of time, you instantly realize the immense amount of benefit that there yeah. is. To consciously co-creating our loving, yummy, sexy experiences together.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, the single folks out there. We'll start with those folks. Like, if if you're someone who wants to practice creative monogamy and you're in the dating world, um, you know, how do you go about doing that?
1: Yeah. So I think something that should be said right off the bat is right now, if you are dating in the online space at all, if you are on any app, one of the first things to think about is who am I open to dating, right? So if you are looking at profiles and you're seeing, especially like on say okay Cupid, you'll see open to either monogamy or non-monogamy. Okay. So you can you can check that off, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the person knows what they're doing in non-monogamy, doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily know being open to something is not the same as being like an old hand at it, having a lot of processes and understanding of how this all works. And so if you're thinking about getting into this, uh, the first thing to do is start self- educating on on great relationship skills that will serve you, whether you decide to be exclusive or not. Mm-hmm. I would actually recommend that everybody, start learning from the conversations that are had when we read books like, um, the multi-amory toolkit or, um, Polysecure, or the polyamory paradox. If you're single right now and you want to really have yummy relationships, just learn those skills. You can apply them to whatever relationship structure you want afterwards. That's what I do in my own programs. Like you show up single and you decide, Hey, you know what? Actually I think monogamy is for me all this stuff translates. And the same cannot be said in reverse. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, if I follow like the the notion of the couple bubble or the Gottman's like strong relationship house, those don't necessarily translate. The skills that you would use there won't necessarily translate if I want to do Mm non-monogamy. So if you are single and you're really like, okay, I'm going to try this out. I want you to think about the fact that it's up to you to learn how to, because if you go out there and you meet somebody and they're like, oh yeah, I'm non-monogamous. And so then they start being your teacher. And now you, they are your guide. You, for one thing, you might get taken advantage of hard because that does not mean that they know anything. That does not mean that they're not abusive. You know, abuse happens in all kinds of relationships. And also they could be, um, to use martial art terms, they could be a white belt, right? Like they, they may be pretty new at it themselves or pretty inexperienced or have not really done their own homework. Mm -hmm. And so now what you have is two people who don't really know how to do complex relationships trying to do them. And one of them taking a sort of leadership role that maybe isn't aptly like assigned. So yeah, take responsibility for the learning and know that it will not be time wasted because all of these tools will serve you wherever you go.
0: I love that. I love that. What I hear you saying is like, (laughs) everyone can learn from this type of work, whether or not this is what you do in your life or not. And I think, um, I'm sure uh, this also plays for people who are like me, who've been married for several years. And I mean, I just want a better relationship regardless, as I always will always (laughs) want a better relationship, right? And I'm sure these communication tools can help us, even though we're not planning to open up our marriage.
1: Right. And you know, I one of the things that I did not expect to see. so i I shifted from doing just private coaching work into doing group work. And something I didn't expect was how many people were going to come in, not really sure yet exactly where they were headed. But like, I think we're headed there, So let's go ahead and we'll dive in with Jolie's stuff. And the number one thing that has come out of that is people going, this is this is just life work. This isn't even just relationship work. This is like, getting to know myself, knowing how to move through the world. This is it. So, and that means they're onto my secret. I am a depth psychologist and what I care about more than anything is your individuation. Mm -hmm. I care that you know how to meet the world with your whole self and I care that you know how to do that in a way that feels authentic as you grow and change. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, but like the work works regardless. And It can also be really protective if mistakes happen along the way. I mean, I've seen people go through this kind of thing and then let's say that there's an infidelity or even a a considered infidelity that then gets outed and like, okay, now we need to deal with the ramifications. You are in so much better shape if you have more skills and tools that you've actually practiced, not just ones in a book on a shelf. But things that you have already put in, like, do you have a regular relationship check-in? Do you have an understanding of how to know your partner's um, needs and wants? Like, do you actually have tools to know them? Not just, oh yeah, I think I got it. But like, Mm -hmm. how? Do you have relationship agreements? And do you know how to renegotiate them? Do you know how to negotiate from a place of compassion? Um, the number of people I've sat with, you know, high-powered executives who've run large corporations and we sit through um, their relationship redesign and we get to the part where we're like, okay, now we're negotiating your agreements. And we get about a week in and they're like, uh, I have negotiated multi-million dollar deals for 20 years and I don't know anything about this. Because as soon as you cross into the land of relationships, we like we haven't been applying our skill sets. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is just, it's just a, it's just a good investment and yeah. story.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned a couple of things there, but let's, let's go through them sort of again. Like, what would you say um, were, are some steps to build a better relationship regardless of if you're going to um, be, if you're single right now or if you're in a marriage or whatever it is. I know you said yeah. the, the check-in.
1: Yeah, so a relationship check-in, and that can be as simple or as complex as suits your relationship. Um, a relationship check-in for some people is, um, you know, so my, my anchor partner and I, um... We've been together. I've known him my whole life. We've been together for 15 years. We have a um, celebrations and recalibrations meeting. And it's pretty complex. Like, we we have a way that we go through things. It's actually based on agile principles because he's a software engineer. So, of course, it's based on nerd <laughs> stuff. Um, but – You know, it could be, and I have done this with other partners. uh, It's as simple as, oh, once a month we check in and we say, what are our wins? What are our learns? What do we want to do differently? And hey, by the way, um, is there anything I need to apologize for? Like, are there any unsaid things? And we do a little resentment prevention Mm -hmm. planning here. And just having that on the books it's on the books. It happens at a regular interval. It doesn't have to be the same time every week, although I happen to like it or every month, but having it on the books so that that's happening. I also do like in my, in my bigger relationships, yearly, you know, great big, like, okay, let's devote a day to this. Like, let's go somewhere nice. Let's really get into what, what are we doing here? Is this what we mean to be doing? Is there anything that we need to revisit? Um, so the check-in, it can't be overstated. There's also, um, there are so many different ways to do this. I mean, if you type in relationship check-in, you're going to get lots of them. Um, I strongly recommend that you choose the one that fits the relationship that you want to have, not just the, just the relationship you currently have, but like, what would you have to do to level up a little bit? Don't choose the easiest one. Choose the one that would suit you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. So, Let's talk about, for folks who are listening to this, and I'm not sure if I have a lot of listeners who are into this thing, but we, they know that we, listen, we talk about all kinds of wild shit on this podcast. Let's talk about opening up a marriage yeah. um, or a relationship, whether you're, yep. you've gone down the aisle figuratively, literally, or whatever. Yeah. So what are the steps to start that type of opening?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is most of the time one person has been thinking about it longer than the other. So if you happen to be in a situation where that's true, I want you to go to my website, joliehamilton.com forward slash easy, because there's a conversation there that will just guide you. Like, do not wait another minute before you figure out how am I going to bring this up with my partner? Because the longer you self-educate about opening and leave your partner in the dark, the more they're going to feel like, holy crap, what have you been keeping from me and what does this mean? So Ken and I, my, my anchor partner and I recorded a conversation to like smooth this journey for you a little bit because honestly I'm just so tired of people waiting, sometimes years, mm-hmm. decades even. And you can also do a few things like you can float a test balloon. You can watch a TV show where somebody is doing some opening and be like, hey, how do you feel about that? You know, you can start floating those test balloons or, hey, my crazy friend, or I just heard this podcast and this lady sounded totally nuts. Use me. Go ahead. Throw me under the bus. <laughs> I have been there before. I'm fine. I'm comfy down there. So do that. And mm, when when you decide – to broach the opening topic, a lot of people will decide to do that when they've, you know, maybe had a few glasses of wine Mm. or things are feeling really loose. You're on vacation and there are just like cute people around. And so you start floating these ideas. What I like to remind people is if it's a cute idea that sounds funny or haha, or you're playing, you're you're, like toying with the idea, it's an idea. Mm. Don't just say, oh, that was just because we were in Cancun. Like actually just take a moment and say, you know, that actually exists in our imaginal realm. We don't have to act on it, but it exists. And I should just acknowledge that, oh, that might mean that the two of us would consider this at some point or that one or the other of us would like to at some point, which doesn't mean we have to do anything. Mm -hmm. Definitely doesn't mean we have to do everything. You always get to be at consent. But when people come to me, they've often started the conversation from this sort of cutesy like haha ha place. The sooner you allow yourself to entertain like, well, what does that even look like? What does it sound like? And start looking at some of the success stories out there. Because often what happens is we start thinking, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that because the only stories we hear are these awful ones. We see these sensationalized stories. But I mean, my my husband and I could not look more soccer mom. We have seven kids. We're like <laughs> boring as all get out, you know, well-educated, hanging out in our house, like running our lives. It doesn't necessarily have to put you into the weird box. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking about it, then it doesn't mean something's wrong with your current relationship. Mm-hmm. That's my other big takeaway. Just because you're thinking about opening doesn't mean anything is wrong. It doesn't even mean anything is missing, even though a common thing that people will say is like, well, I can't get all my needs met by one partner. So I mean, people aren't need filling machines. That's, that's not why we relate to humans. So I would invite instead the idea that people are complicated and we have been presented this one way of relating for a long time, but it is not the only way humans have related. And the zoological studies will clearly show us that Non-monogamy is pretty normal for mammals, pretty darn normal, like really normal, including humans. And so what if we simply entertain the idea as what if? Just what if? So like I have a free salon I hold monthly where people can just come and hear like what would it take? To, what would it take to do that well? Because I don't know. What would it take? You don't know what you don't know yet. And that's totally fine. So people can join me at an event like that. You can go to openeasier.com and just listen. Like what happens for people who open up? Um, I've seen seen and lived through the scary tales. You don't have to do it the hard way. (laughs) And I wouldn't recommend it.
0: So what do you think some of the biggest benefits to doing this work are? And then what are some of the biggest struggles?
1: Oh, well, first off, the benefits – have a lot to do with you getting to be the person you actually want to be by, by being really conscious about what am I inviting into my life? What am I spending my time on? Um, what create, like what activities am I going to spend my energy on? So, I mean, the benefit might be that you have more sex or different sex or that your sex life at home with a current partner changes because all of a sudden you've renegotiated. Um, on the other hand, some of the benefits are just of getting really really explicit. Some people, some people go through my entire, I have a year-long program. They go through the whole thing and throughout it what they learn is actually we pretty much like monogamy. And now it is super clarified. We understand what we're doing. We understand what we would do if we if we were away on vacation and we were propositioned, we know what we would do. Mm -hmm. So it's not in the dark. So like, that's huge. Just imagine the amount of freedom you feel knowing that you don't need to pretend like non-monogamy isn't a thing to stay safe. Mm -hmm. You instead can look right at it and be like, no, we're choosing monogamy. And we know what that is. And we could swim in those waters a little bit if we wanted to and see where we went. It's, it's so liberating. It's just so liberating to know that that's, it's just a thing and it's not terrifying and it doesn't mean the end of your relationship. On the other hand, you asked like, what are the, what are the detractors? What are the potential downsides? You know, most of us don't really understand what it is to dig in and work on our relationship unless we're currently in a problem Like, right, we have a problem and so we go to solve it. And this really, the kind of relationship I'm talking about is a shift into your relationship as a container for your psychological development Mm. for the rest of your life. I don't care whether you stay with this partner, other partners, all the partners. It is a transition into seeing relating as your psychological individuation path and it is huge and it it is it will shift your ontological ground it will shift who you see yourself as and some people are like well i don't i don't wanna i don't want relationships to be work they should just be easy mm-hmm. and i would say how many easy relationships do you know that actually are yummy if it sounds like a lot of work then i would invite you to consider what do you spend your time on right now like What really, where are you investing your time? If it sounds like a lot of work because you're like, well, I really, I'm just really engaged in all these other aspects of my life, awesome, great, you do you, that is fantastic. But if it's because you don't want to open up a can of worms and find out that, in fact, everything's not as hunky dory, nice, and easy peasy as you think, Mm -hmm. well, you're probably going to wind up in one of those problem situations eventually. Where now we're doing our relationship work from a problem spot, and it's really it's just very different experience. I have so I'll have a group. I have a group program, and when people come in, they're they're curated groups. They're only up to twenty people in each group, so it's nice and tight. You know, a mix of singles, um, couples, some triads and quads thrown in there too it's so interesting to see the people who come in because they're like, they've broken something. Mm -hmm. Like they, they didn't understand how to make agreements or they didn't know what they were talking about or they didn't get their vocabulary or they didn't write stuff down or they, whatever they, they harm happened and now they're repairing Mm -hmm. versus the people who come in and they're like, we actually are, we're rocking the relationship world. We, we love each other. We're doing really well. We're being a little adventurous, but we, we, We want to, we want to really, we want to really get to know each other well. And we want to do it this way. Those people have a completely different experience. They go out and they do the experiments of opening from a place of like, okay, we're grounded. So now I'm going to perform an experiment. Oh, oh, that one went great. Excellent. Let's do another. Oh, that one did not go well. Okay. Okay. But we were on solid footing before. So now the repair work is not as significant. (laughs) They're just two different places. I love working with people in either area, but it's really, it's it's really something special to decide from a place of safety and comfort that you're gonna choose growth over comfort. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole new ball game.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about jealousy because I know that's something that you've mentioned that you really are like you've studied, you've interviewed folks, and obviously jealousy pops up no matter what type of relationship that you're in. Yeah. So what do you feel jealousy really, like what is, what is jealousy?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great starting question. So I'm a qualitative researcher. My doctoral research is in jealousy. Um, I'm cur- I just wrote another qualitative ser- uh, research study on jealousy um, and that's going to publication now. Jealousy is the real or imagined, <laughs> real or imagined threat to a valued love bond. Right. Mm-hmm. So the way we can identify jealousy is it's a triangle. I have me, I am the jealous one, I have my beloved, the one I care about, and then I have a perceived interrupter. Mm-hmm. So if I can spot a triangle, I know it's jealousy. The reason that's important is that it is different from envy, where I just want what someone has or I want to be who they are. There's like a longing feeling. Mm-hmm. And I sort these apart because jealousy at core exists because we want to maintain something. We want to, we want a relationship with someone. It is about the relationship itself. It's a very, it is a social emotion, but it's also a relational centered emotion. Whereas envy, which people often conflate, right? That can be just about wanting the thing someone has or wanting to be like they are. I might want to have their power lifts. I might want to have their car, right? But That's different. So jealousy is about maintaining and building relationships. And we can spot jealousy as early as six months old in infants. Mm -hmm. So we know it serves a purpose that's deeply rooted in our psyche.
0: And so you say that jealousy can bring people closer. This was really shocking to me whenever I was reading the things to prep for this interview. I'm like, okay, how (laughs) on earth does jealousy bring you closer then?
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's just think about jealousy – if you, if there are many models of jealousy, my personal favorite, um, rests on the idea that jealousy is innate. It is part of our evolutionary strategy. It keeps us connected to our primary caregiver when we are an infant, right? Very important. Cause we come out like little potato babies. Like we don't, we can't do anything. So we need to stay connected. And so any interruption to that love bond is a mortal threat. It is terrifying. Now, eventually, we turn into toddlers, new babies come along, and we have to go through jealousy. And generally speaking, we're told to sit down and shut up because the baby needs something, and we're just going to have to deal or share our toys or share our mom or whatever. And so then we fast forward. Nobody teaches us anything about jealousy. I've done hundreds of jealousy interviews and conversations and – Nobody gets taught what to actually do when jealousy shows up. Mm. And so you fast forward to your romantic relationships. You transfer this desire to have this attachment to another, to this romantic partner. And now you act like a toddler. Mm -hmm. And so if we think about jealousy that way and we think, okay, it's serving a purpose. It wants to keep me connected to this person. Well, The first thing jealousy often inspires is a desire to either harm the perceived interrupter. Like, we want them out of the picture. We want them gone. Or to get really angry and blame our partner and, like, point our fingers at them and be like, you have to stop doing what you're doing so I feel differently. Um, I think of that as Hera's jealousy. Like, any Greek myth, right, with Hera in it, she's, like, freaking out. She's killing the third party and she is roasting Zeus. Never once. Does she do what humans should do? Hera's Hera. She gets to be Hera. That's all good. No problem. But um, we get to turn to our partner and say, this doesn't feel good. I feel I feel insecure. I feel afraid. I don't understand what's happening. I'm not even sure if this is real or whether I'm imagining it. Or, hey, I have this evidence and this does look real. And I think this might violate my our agreements. And I don't know. And can we talk about this? All of those questions are an invitation to intimacy. Mm -hmm. Every single one of those questions. If you meet jealousy with curiosity and you meet it early, so like you get to know the earliest phases of your jealousy, then you can turn to your partner in a place of loving curiosity and be like, ooh, this is coming up for me. I don't want you to fix it. I want you to join me here in the curiosity. Like, I don't know. So we want to stop saying things like, oh, that's just jealousy. Roll our eyes and move on. And we want to stop blaming each other. Jealousy shows up for a reason. Sometimes it's imagined, and that's a reason too. That's a reason too. So jealousy then can be the the point of contact where we say, "I don't feel secure and safe in this relationship." That might not be my partner's fault or problem, but if they're in a relationship with me, can they join me in the puzzle of it? Mm. The gel, je- the roadmap out of jealousy or through jealousy isn't to some perfect Shangri-La space of like, oh, there's no more jealousy and jealousy doesn't exist. I don't want to cure jealousy. I have, I am a jealousy researcher. I spend all of my time researching jealousy. I have no interest in curing it because it serves a purpose. If we did not have this jealousy warning, we would not actually have the wisdom of, hey, my relationship doesn't feel secure and I feel – I see this interruption happening or I see this, oh, we don't want to defang that. What we want to do is figure out what does it mean and what steps do we need. So I walk people through a whole jealousy roadmap um, to help them walk through it and make sense out of it because um, jealousy is overwhelming as I'll well. <laughs> get out. It's really it's really challenging, but I promise it is an invitation to intimacy.
0: Yeah. I could definitely see that as you were explaining it that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so – you say there's one question or a single conversation that people can have to reignite their
1: sex life what is that yeah i love this question so and you can actually so you can get this question and you can get the uh, the jealousy roadmap you can get both of those at listen to com because these two things so if i th- this is all and it's all tied together if i want a better relationship and if i want to restimulate things in the bedroom what i need to do is turn curiosity toward it. Um, The one question I want you to have, and this everyone can benefit from this question, monogamous, non-monogamous, doesn't matter. It's um, what is sex? What is sex? Like really, how do I know when I'm having it? How do I know when it's done? How do I know my partner's having sex with me? How do I know, like, what is, what is, what is sex? Is What is it for? And then we can dive deeper. We can go, why do I have sex? Why, like, I go, I want to like swim in that question with my partner and, or partners, and really be with the mystery of like, There is no single definition. Like sex does not start and end with a penis and a vagina. It does not start and end with orgasm either. Like that is a very simplistic definition. In fact, sex can be incredibly expansive and it can be whatever you make it to be. And if you know what sex is, it is way easier to have more of it. It is way easier to create optimal commit conditions to have the sex you actually want to have instead of the sex you've been having. Most of us get habituated to like, here's what we do yeah. and this is what we do. And now I'm bored and now I'm doing things I did that are definitely not cool in my relationship, but I'm doing them because I'm bored and so I feel justified. So wherever you are now, and this conversation is a conversation worth having more than once because we grow and change. Um, it's, a t- it's a time when we can start learning like what our partner actually thinks about sex, what words they like to use around sex. Oh, it's luscious. It's a really, really juicy conversation.
0: I love it. And this has been such a juicy conversation. Tell folks where they can find you and what your current offers are because you mentioned many different things. What are you working on right now?
1: Yeah. So, you know, if people are interested in non-monogamy, do go to openeasier.com openeasier.com is where you'll just you'll you'll pop on and um, you can join me for one of my free salons and just learn like what does this look like in real life? And if you are struggling with jealousy or you want to reignite your sex life, then go to listentojoly.com and get the roadmap. Like stop struggling on your own. You don't need to do this alone. Jealousy is vastly under-researched and very misunderstood. I have taken a lot of time to like distill it down into, okay, here are some central principles around jealousy so that you can get the help and support you need and de-shame it Mm -hmm. because there's no need to feel shame over jealousy, but a lot of us do.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I will put links to those um, websites in the show notes. Anything else you want to share that I didn't ask you about?
1: Well, you know, the, the one last thing I think I would leave everyone it, with is just to remember that you get to design your relationship to be exactly what you want. And so if what I do isn't your cup of tea, that's totally cool. If you took away nothing else, just take away the idea that you get to actively consciously design it to be whatever you want. And that will make me thrilled. I'd be so happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. This is amazing. Thanks for having me. Do you just feel so lit up after that conversation? I love her energy. I love how she broke down so many concepts that can often be triggering. And she did it in a way that was lovely and light. And yeah, I just feel so blessed to have had the chance to chat with her. Again, all of the links to connect with Jolie are in the show notes below. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Leslie Draffin and at the light within podcast. Send me an email. Hello at LeslieDraffen.com. If you're interested in coaching, if you just want to chat about anything that's been on these podcasts, if you have a guest, you think would be great for the show? Send me an email and let's connect. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. And remember, there's no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time, babe.